the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Don't be shy in what you want to talk about, what you can talk about. Reasons for weakness in the market. It's taken a while for the market to do what it should have done on Tuesday, but it did trade lower. That's eventually what it did as a week, showing from the biotech, from transportation, from energy, from semiconductor shares, that helped result in you know, loss for major indices. So, on a day-by-day basis, we look at this stuff, and I think it's kind of a mistake, but you still can learn stuff from it. Overnight weakness in the world markets followed on heels of weaker-than-expected consumer price index report out of China. China's been slowing. That showed a deceleration in the year-over-year growth rate to 1.6% from 2% as far as spending goes. Um, the overnight weakness um, is, again, something we don't, we don't have to put a lot of weight in if you're in the markets for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. China's producer price index declined 5.9% year-over-year, 43rd straight decline in that series. Consumer demand is weakening in China, and overcapacity has killed producers' ability to raise prices. So you can take a look at some weak CPI data out of France and Spain. That's keeping all foreign markets contained. Uh, No one can walk away from the producer's price index in September uh, retail sales. I think the Federal Reserve now feels better about raising the Fed funds rate before the end of the year. Both reports that came out today in the United States were weak. Produced prices declined at one-half of 1%, which is non-inflationary. It was heavily tied towards drop of energy prices, excluding food and energy. Core PPI declined three-tenths of a percent. Again, the Fed has to try to get maximum employment as well as fight inflation, and there's just no inflation. 
Retail sales, meanwhile, increased one-tenth of a percent after revision of the prior month showed sales unchanged. So last month, we thought we were up two-tenths of a percent, but it actually got un- down to unchanged. And this uh, retail sales report was anemic. Uh, if you strip out cars, it looks like the only thing we bought in America were cars last month. Because cars were up about 1.3%, so the overall reading, um, if you exclude autos, would be down three-tenths of a percent. So we're not spending which is both good news and bad news. In large part, what that means is uh, we're probably saving. But we aren't an economy. We're not an economy based off saving. We're an economy based off spending. So we got guidance from J.P. Morgan Chase and Intel coming out of their third quarter reports, offering reason to temper some of the bullish enthusiasm. J.P. Morgan Chase warned that analysts' fourth quarter revenue expectations were a little bit too high. Intel said... Macroeconomic conditions have driven it to lower the growth outlook for its data center group business to low double digits from 15%. Railroad operator CSX, whoop, whoop, for its part, expects fourth quarter earnings per share to be down slightly from the year prior. As coal and crude oil have increased the overall you know, uh, likelihood that volumes will be down. If you watched the Democratic debate last night, uh, these are all people who want coal to go away completely, and that would hurt the train companies like a CSX, who the only way you can move it around the country is railroad, and not so much uh, by tr- uh, by truck. What else is out there? Bank of America and Delta, they're trading modestly higher on better than expected third quarter results. Dentally, all the companies mentioned reported a year-over-year decline in revenue. So... We are in a, I'm not going to call it a revenue recession, but it certainly feels that way. So where does the market take us as the day unfolds? Good question. And no one has that answer quite yet. So some of the early movers and shakers on Wall Street, Delta reported a profit of $1. seventy-four, beating expectations with revenue very slightly above expectations. Delta's bottom line, though, was helped by the fall in oil prices. A company called BlackRock, they're an asset manager uh, for wealthy people. Their long-term net inflows rose to $35 billion from $29 billion a year earlier. This is a company that looks pretty cheap. They've got some iShares ETF business that took in $23.3 billion in new investments. Um, elsewhere out there, PNC Financial, it's a regional bank. Uh, revenue was slightly below street forecast. Net interest margin, a key measure of lending profitability, unexpectedly fell in the quarter versus Amer- Bank of America, which had pretty nice jump in investment banking fees and home loan originations. So back to Intel. Um, the company did see continued weak demand in the personal computer segment, but that was more than offset by strong numbers for their data center and mobile device chip business. Mobile device chip business. You don't hear that said with Intel all that often. GoPro got cut again by an analyst, calling it Go Amateur versus Go Pro. These analysts are so funny. Uh, the camera maker's stock was cut to neutral from overweight at Piper Jaffray, which sees near-term volatility in the stock amidst softening demand and price reductions. The firm does say it continues to believe that GoPro brand, however, is a winner. I don't know. Uh... You know, that was a $90 stock a year ago, $60 stock earlier this year. Now it's a $26 stock. 
it's definitely getting cheap, but that analyst from going from overweight to neutral when stocks at a 52-week low feels a little bit like, meh, that wasn't your best call. Or time, that wasn't your best time to call. Toyota said it helped to sell more than 30,000 fuel cell vehicles annually right around or right near 2020. The automaker also said the latest version of its Prius hybrid would be 20% more fuel efficient than its predecessor. Apple could face up to $862 million in damages after it was found to have infringed on a patent held by the University of Wisconsin-Madison's licensing arm. The patent was for a process that improves the efficiency of chips used in many of popular Apple devices. Elsewhere out there, SanDisk has hired a bank to explore a potential sale, uh, which is interesting. Flash memory. They also said Micron and Western Digital are amongst the suitors for the chip and computing products makers. Diageo, which makes booze or spirits, they sold the majority of its U.S. and U.K. wine operations to Australia's Treasury Wine Estates for $552 million. Dish Network's in the news. They've asked the U.S. Federal Communications Commission to block the proposed merger of Charter Communications and Time Warner Cable. Satellite TV operators said a combination would have too much power in the broadband segment, and it would not be any better than uh, for the public interest. Uh, then Comcast now de- now dead deal uh, to buy Time Warner Cable. Interesting. Uh, a lot of people don't think companies like Dish Networks are going to be able to make it in the long term because they just don't have that integrated package of product to keep you involved. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can also find me at Facebook, Cron4 Rob Black. That's Cron4 Rob Black. Take a break here. Be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It is political season, something to be conscious of. So you could see sectors get hit if a candidate decides to make it an issue. Uh, always trying to go for votes, right? Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, the easiest way to explain that is Early last week, Hillary Clinton talked about, she tweeted something along the lines of, 
you know, what biotech companies are doing with the cost of drugs is bad. And I'm going to change that. And that caused biotech stocks to basically go into a, you know, a 10-day swoon. Um, it could hit other sectors, too. Just throwing it out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Retail sales were up a modest one-tenth of a percent in September. Producer prices fell five-tenths of a percent in September as gas prices uh, dropped. Wholesale prices have decreased 1.1% from a year ago. Consumer prices have barely risen. The inflation figures are far from the Fed's 2% inflation target, a gap that should keep the federal policymakers to delay a rate hike at their October 27 to 28 meeting. I could tell you for the last uh, 10 years or so, you know, the Federal Reserve and what Ben Bernanke and his group are going to do or not do, and then it turns into what Janet Yellen and her group or are they going to do or not do. It's uh, been interesting to watch, to say the least. But 11 years ago, 12 years ago, we really didn't care. It wasn't much of a media story. It's probably not totally true, but I think you get the idea. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Nike is going to start producing self-tie-in power laces in 2015. Just like they were in that Marty McFly war in 1989's Back to the Future Part 2. So, uh, I can't say that that story excites me in any way, shape, or form. It feels kind of silly, to be quite honest with you. But uh, Nike will probably sell a lot of them, <laughs> which is what Nike tends to do. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um... Rob Reinhardt is a guy who owns a company called Soylent. And more than perhaps any other founder in the tech world, he lives the dream he preaches with Soylent. Before formally launching the food replacement product, he used his own body to experiment with the recipe. He's tinkered with different doses and types of nutrients, sometimes hurting himself in the process. He's on a quest for perfect Soylent. You might remember a movie where Soylent Green was people. Soylent Green is people. Which is what I think we should do to anyone as soon as they turn 65 in the United States. Let them enjoy retirement for five years. Take Social Security. But then after that, turn them into food. Um, in this world, my mom would be food right now. Um, but he's one of these CEOs. Again, I'm talking about Rob Reinhardt, who says a lot of things. Um... And I think he's right. He says, for instance, on nature, he says, people have this belief that just because something is natural, it's good. The natural state of man is ignorant and starving and cold. He says, grocery stores, I have not set foot in a grocery store in years. Nevermore will I bumble through endless confusing aisles like a pack donkey searching for the feed while the smell of rotting flesh fills my nostrils and fluorescent lights sear my eyeballs and sappy love songs torture my ears. <laughs> he's a little tense, right? On foodies, people who love food, everyone's like the natural organic way is the best. And it sounded like a lot of fundamentalist Christianity. On fast food, after a week of soylent advertisements for fast food looked repulsive. 
all I crave is Soylent. There's some truth to that. If you look at some fast foods, um, there's some, and the marketing of them is incredible. On movies, he says, eating to me is a leisure activity, like going to the movies, but I don't want to go to the movies three times a day. On drones, he says, we thought about doing Soylent drone delivery, but you just hit a button on your phone and a drone comes and drops a bottle of Soylent and then you refuel. On farming, he says, ingredients that come from agriculture, especially animal products, are very wasteful and inefficient. I recently heard that, uh, you know, one pint of beer takes seven gallons of water to make. And uh, when you start looking at what he said on farming, ingredients that come from agriculture, especially animal products, are very wasteful and inefficient. On trade-offs, he says, I think it's possible to use technology to make healthy food very cheaply and easily, but we'll have to give up on many traditional foodstuffs like fruits and veggies, which are incompatible with food processing and scale. On pizza, this is fantastic. This guy has been quoted that much, right? I think in the future of all of our pizzas and staple meals, we'll have a Soylent-esque nutritional makeup and be designed purely for taste, texture, and appearance. On value, Soylent provided more value to my life than any app. So the guy gets out there and talks. Um, the question is, how many years until we get artificial foods? I mean, we have some already, like muscle milk and things like that. But he's looking more hardcore. Um, and again, he's the CEO of Soylent, S-O-Y-L-E-N-T. I highly recommend like Googling him. I think this is going to be a big sector. Um, we can't keep eating the way we've been eating. We can't like the consumption of red meat is just it's out of control in the United States, and it's so harmful to our ecology. Um, so big business, and this isn't me talking. I'm going to eat meat. Um, oh boy, there's a restaurant called Town in San Carlos that has the best steaks. And uh, one day I was having a prime rib and like a 75-year-old guy looks at me and he's like, I wish I could eat that still. And uh, I don't know if it was because of cholesterol, I don't know if it's because of food taste change or what have you, but he was eating like hamburger. And I was like, ooh, sorry, dude. Um, anyway, I guess what I'm getting at here is things are gonna change. And it's not me. It's the people 35 and under who are demanding it. I'm Ron Blackcock and all things financial, money, investing, and more.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist at Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? Good. A lot of economic data out there today, and I'm going to be interested in hearing, is this definitively going to call an end to the Federal Reserve potentially raising interest rates? Potentially. Here I am already undercutting that uh, by the end of the year. The weak retail sales and inflation data came out that I think Wall Street's saying the Federal Reserve should be on hold. Yeah, the data has been saying the same thing, you know, that, you know, if you were going specifically by the data, there is no reason to raise rates, you know, anytime soon. You have uh, CPI trends that are below uh, targets. You have expectations of inflation below target. Uh, you have wage growth that is, you know, negative at times in, over the recent months. You know, nothing is suggesting that we're going to see an acceleration of inflation back to the target, let alone inflation exceeding the target you know, anytime soon. So based on, on that, you know, there really is no reason to raise rates. Yet, you know, everybody is taking the idea that rates are going to go up because the Fed themselves have been pushing the fact that they kind of want to raise rates. You know, their, their idea that things are going to improve and because uh, the impact of a rate hike takes a long time that, you know, you're safe to do it now, even though we're not at the right levels, because, you know, we're going to get to those levels in the very near future. And, and I think what you're seeing in the data is that that's really not going to be the case. Okay, so you're on record saying no rate increase this year? I, I, it's impossible to say okay. no rate increase this year. I think that the data would say it shouldn't be raised. And I've been on record saying that, you know, if I was the chair, I wouldn't be rushing to raise. I would, you know, be, be waiting, you know, as long as possible. You know, I've gone out and stated multiple times you know, on your program that it's easier to counter the effects of too much inflation it is impossible, no, not impossible, but very, very difficult to counter the effects of disinflationary environment or a deflationary environment. I mean, if you look at what's going on in Japan over the last, you know, 15, 16 years, we, we know that, you know, quantitative easing, you know, may help on the margin, but it's not the foolproof way of getting the economy back to, you know, so-called normalization. So if you're going to raise rates and raising rates you know, will cut into demand. It will slow down the economy, which will depress inflation uh, from its current trends. And your trend right now is below uh, what the Fed wants. That's not, you know, good. That's not a, a prudent measure. Uh, it would be better off holding off, you know, waiting, you know, as Larry Summers has said, as, uh, you know, the IMF has announced, as you know, other economists have come out and stated that, look, the data is the data. The data is not, you know, strong by any means. It's not strengthening by any means. We're not in an area where we expect to see an acceleration beyond what we already have. And if that's the case, you shouldn't raise rates into that, you know, that scenario. But looking back at Japan, for instance, and looking back at the United States for the last 10 years, 
lower interest rates really haven't sparked a lot of demand, or has it? A lot of people think the Fed is just pushing on a string, and that maybe we would be better off with no Federal Reserve and just letting the markets play themselves out faster. No, I, I don't think taking away the Federal Reserve would make things better. I, I think that you know the Fed can't do much when rates are at zero. You know, the, the impact of monetary policy is very, very limited the closer you get to the zero lower bound. And you know, we, we know that from other countries you know, see, you know, seeing a similar experience. What we haven't seen, and you know, this is where the Keynesians will, will, will rise up and say, hey, you know, we're fighting a fiscal policy that's you know, contractionary. You know, we're, we're re- you know, using austerity measures. We're reducing the deficit at a time when there is no uh, buyer of last resort. You know, the Fed is supposed to be the backer of banks of last resort, but the U.S. government is supposed to be the buyer of last resort. If businesses are unwilling to take out loans at 0%, if consumers are unwilling to rack up more debt at 0%, the Fed, you know, can't do anything. The Treasury Department and the, and the U.S. government by themselves can. You know, they can take out debt at these low interest rates and use them for productive investments. You know, we could say, you know, forever that, you know, we know that bridges need to be replaced. We know that roads need to be replaced. We know that, you know, we could use different rail systems like that. Stuff that would put people to work, stuff that would attract a positive return on investment, especially at these low rates. But the impact is a higher deficit. And there's plenty of people that are concerned and they have a right to be concerned that higher deficits will make things more difficult once rates start rising. But rates aren't rising. And if businesses aren't willing to take on uh, added investments because of, you know, a long list of, of problems, uh, mainly stemming from the fact that they don't believe demand is going to be there, then someone else has to come in and say, well, we'll be the demand. You know, we're going to make sure that everything is, is moving ahead. And right now that's not happening. So when do we, and I know this is, you're not, you're not going to give me the answer that I want. When do we start borrowing money and building bridges? And when does Congress start saying, you know, this low cost of money, let's face it, it's low cost of money. And if we're going to do these repairs and these improvements, let's let's borrow money at a low cost instead of a high cost. Is it going well, to happen or too political? Yeah, I mean, that, that's really what it is. And you know, I, I'm trying to stay out of the politics of the situation. But, you know, the, the reality is that the way Congress is – is made up of, you know, that the, the factions within the Republican Party, the factions within the Democratic Party are not uh, conducive of working together to make a fiscal, uh, you know, policy that's expansionary. I mean, you had how many times has, you know, Chair Bernanke, when he was the Fed, you know, president, Fed chair, go in front of Congress and say, you know, do your job, get you know, spend more money. We, we we need this. And, you know, they come back worrying about the dollar or worrying about inflation or worrying about other stuff that the Fed, you know, has managed, you know, not optimally, but they, they've done a fairly good job. Now the question is, you know, where do we go from here? And I don't know. You know, I, 
you would like to see some sort of expansionary policy. You'd like to see, you know, consumers take on more debt. You would love to see businesses to start borrowing and expanding. But why would a business, even at 0% interest, take on more debt to expand their facilities when they can't sell any more goods because there just isn't an entrenched demand for those goods? So, you know, that that's the problem. You know, everybody can't save. If everybody saves, there's no buying and you contract. You need someone on the outside to push or prod the economy forward. And we don't have that. So we're stuck with this 2%, you know, minimal growth trends that we've been seeing for, you know, the last several years. You know, this new normal type growth that, that PIMCO talked about, you know, back with 2011. And, and that's really what we have. Looking in, in changing the topic ever so slightly back to retail, the numbers for autos were pretty staggeringly high. I know you've done a lot of work with autos in the past. Is this a good sign or is this uh, Americans throwing money into cars and not houses? No, I, or I mean, the reality account? is that you hadn't bought any cars for a number of years during the Great Recession. And, you know, consumers are finally back on a, on a footing where they are able to take on more debt. So why would you sink money into your old dilapidated car when you could buy a new one at a relatively cheap price and relatively good, uh, you know, interest rates. So the fact that we're seeing the, the return of the auto sector is a good sign. It says that consumers are a little bit more stable and, you know, they're finally, you know, removing some of these old vehicles uh, from the marketplace. Anything else that you're working on that you think we should highlight as we wind down the segment? I think everybody is still fixated on the same thing, and I think that's how it is. You know, I joke with uh, with Pat that I become a Fed watcher, something that I, I generally don't like to do. You're just spending all this time focusing on the minutia of their statements. You know, trying to piece you know out you know an adjective here or a verb there that may give you an idea of what the uh, Fed is going to do. But the reality is, you know, the Fed shouldn't raise rates if it was actually data dependent. We've been seeing the data come in weak. We know globally the data has been weak. If all these trends are true, there is no reason to expect and there's no reason should the Fed raise rates in 2015. Thanks very much. Talking the economy with Dr. Jeff Rosen, briefing.com, a trusted source of information both domestically and internationally tied towards the economy, tied towards stock markets, and much, much more. Um, I really only hit the economy and uh, stock market perspective, market strategy, but briefing has technical issues. They've got story stocks. They've got breaking news. They've got uh, wrap-ups of quarterly earnings calls. Check it out at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I just want to 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Talked a little bit about retail sales in the last segment. And one of the things that's kind of interesting, um, the iPhone and retail sales. So September retail sales came out, and the iPhone couldn't help or save the retail sales numbers. Excluding cars, retail sales fell three-tenths of a percent. The broader disappointment here is that with the decline in gas prices over the past year, many economists expected these savings to make their way into other parts of the economy. Lower gas prices haven't made their way into other goods and services. Um, we're not really sure what the consumer is doing in September, uh, but it certainly wasn't an Apple save. So... Uh, the release of the new iPhone and model towards the end of last month probably didn't do much, uh, but maybe a little bit more in October. So, wah, wah. so one of the stories that just kind of hit um, is Walmart. They said our profits are going to fall next year. The retail giant cut its profit outlook for the next two years, forecasting a six to twelve percent earnings decline in 2017 at its annual uh, Investor Day presentation. Uh, That's not good. So in response to the news, shares fell about 9%, the biggest single-day decline in the last six years. Uh, Fiscal year 2017 will represent our heaviest investment period. Operating income is expected to be impacted by approximately $1.5 billion from the second phase of our previously announced investment in wages and training, as well as our commitment to further develop a seamless customer experience. That's a pretty big hit. So, thanks for letting us know. (laughs) I'm not sure if you're with me or against me on that one, but uh, it's definitely a big story. So, 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. I don't get enough calls during the show. I know a lot of people listen to the podcast of the show, uh, but I would like to get more calls. I'm a little disappointed. So... um, Usually I do a TV segment at about 9.15 after this show goes off. And I post it on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, It's like the top four stories of the day. And one of them is tied towards Intel today. So letting the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Um, They're a nice company. Their profits beat expectations. Revenue was $14.5 billion. That topped expectations. Uh, but the problem is that Intel's essentially become really good at managing investors. And there's not a lot of growth there. Shares of the stock are down 11% this year. Intel shares are up 2.4% last year, which lags the S&P 500. To really impress, they're going to have to grow. And earnings expectations are expected to fall 7% this year and increase just 3.7% in 2016. Analysts don't see the stock doing much for the next 18 months. So that's kind of worthy of note. Bank of America had a good quarter. Um, I think if you're a 10-year, 20-year investor, I think it's a very attractive price stock. I think if you're 10 to 20 month, I don't think banks will really start moving until the Fed starts raising interest rates. And we've been waiting on that for a long time. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So, other big stories of note today. Um, Martha Stewart talks about how she should have bought Kmart. 
and uh, she could have called it Cave Martha, which is cute, but uh, Kmart was a big, uh, and, and still is on a lot of levels, um, Kmart and Walmart are just these big stores, and people under 35 don't like going to big stores anymore, so airfares are falling, but fees are going up, um, so we're still getting hit with about the same cost to fly. But it is nice that airfares are coming down. I looked a little bit at uh, Playboy. China's a huge market for Playboy. Hugh Hefner's 89 years old. And they're going to get rid of nudity in their magazines, and they're going to try to capture an urban millennial audience uh, because nudity is passe. But what's interesting is they make their money off licensing the Playboy logo. If you ever go to Vegas, you'll see slot machines that have the Playboy money on it, right? That's how they make their money, licensing it. And if you go overseas, you'll see the Playboy money on clothes and stickers and air fresheners and things like that. That's how they make their money. The magazine actually loses about $3 million annually. So that's called a lost leader. Interesting. Google just told advertisers that if they want to reach young people, you're going to have to give us 24% of your TV budget. That's where they said it's going to work. Well, of course that's where it's going to work. YouTube held its annual advertising industry extravaganza and said, uh, you know, if you want primetime kids, where they are is right here on YouTube. Um, and I've got a cousin, or no, i got a nephew, that anytime I see him, he's just constantly on YouTube. Uh, doesn't care what's on the television at all. Uh, he's on his phone on Netflix. Doesn't care to watch Netflix on the TV. He'd rather curl up in his room and uh, hide from adults. So, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. The markets took this morning's news as probably the Fed's not going to do anything. We've beaten this to death. Uh, I think the markets should be down on J.P. Morgan's weak quarter, Intel's weak quarter. Um, Intel isn't a weak quarter. Like I said, it's just it's not sexy. So be interesting watching the IPO markets. We've got two of the biggest IPOs of the year coming out right now, First Data and Albertsons. Do they price it where they are, or is this a, a sketchy market that no one wants a part of new issues? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.